Hey everybody, Dave Hodges here, host of the Common Sense Show. That's what you're listening to, and we are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. And we have a special treat for you today. We have, uh, well, we're going to hear from our economist, Bob Kudla, and these are such fluid, volatile, uncertain times that we need Bob to help make sense out of what's going on. And we're going to look at a lot of different areas about, one, how people are actually making money in the market despite all the chaos in society. And then number two, there's weird things going on with oil. And uh, it's going to have a direct effect on other parts of the economy. We're going to get into that as well, too. This is news you need to have. So let's go right to Bob Kudla. Without further ado, Bob, welcome to the show. I'm glad you could join us. And as if there's absolutely nothing to talk about. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. You, you know, we're getting what they call, um, we're, we're getting decades and weeks now, you know, in terms of the news flow. And I think it's just going to get worse now going into the uh, into the election. I think the, um, the elites have figured out we can just keep pounding people into confusion. I remember when um, I had a friend over, and he captured a rattlesnake that was in my backyard and he got it in these prongs and it was designed to catch snakes and i was stunned at how the rapidity of the snake struggle the volatility of it it was so violent and i'll tell you my image of the democrats as we approach the election uh goes back to that rattlesnake that would have done anything to survive yeah i mean look you know um i think if you boil this whole thing down, Dave, is that the Democratic Party cannot win any elections unless they get complete and utter dominance out of the African-American community. So they needed to create such a crisis for that community to be able to blame it on the other side in order for them to carry some of the states they need to carry in the uh, in the election this fall that that is my my viewpoint on this trump was winning that with with the uh, african-american community by giving them jobs and everything was pretty benign and if you know if somebody was just simply looking at the mathematics of police brutality and police you know um shootings and and crimes it, they were all trending down to like not negligible levels and so they had to create something so incredible, and then, then they just sent their stormtroopers in. And I think the hope was they were going to get Trump and the Republicans to overreact to the chaos. And to the benefit of, of the, um, I think, the Trump administration is that I think they did a calculation that said, hey, these people are destroying the Democrats' own cities we don't need to engage. Napoleon has a great saying, you know, he was probably the best general that that's lived in our modern time. And he says, never interrupt an enemy when they're making a mistake. And the Democrats have made a massive, massive mistake. And, and I think they, uh, they don't know how to unwind it. Well, to me, when they don't get what they want with violence, the answer to that is just more violence. Yeah, and but the problem they have now is that they've sufficiently scared the other wing of their of their party, the independents and the and the women. I think they scared them into Trump's camp. 
You know, I mean, the, the election is going to be really simple to explain to people. Do you want mobs or jobs? Or do you want your city and town to look like this city if the Democrats take over total control? Or they want to get rid of your police and your guns. And so who's going to defend you? So I think I think this thing has turned, you know, they thought they, they could turn it into let's just scare the African-American community into us. They overplayed their hand and they scared, I think they're going to scare everybody else, including African-Americans into Trump's camp because nobody wants to live inside of a war zone. And that's what they're being promised right now. Yeah, I totally agree. It is a war zone. And one, if they keep going, is not going to economically recover even when things are reopened. Uh, how do you see the reopening affecting the economy uh, and now the face mask requirements? I mean, where are we at with that? Yeah, well, the face mask requirements to me is mox nicks. Okay, everybody will wear a face mask. It's no big deal. I know there's, quote unquote, there's, you know, there's reasons why you should, you know, avoid demand. But from a practical standpoint, mask is irrelevant. You know, if they try to shut businesses down again, then that's going to be a big, a bigger deal. But I think I think they're reading the tea leaves and saying we can't do that anymore. I think the mayors are are at a situation where they've already are going to be. I mean, look, de Blasio today said he's going to lay off 22,000 people. You know, I mean, they they played this thing so hard that, that now they can't unwind it because they said they set a an expectation up of being able to get back to normal that's basically a, a measurement they can't meet so what i would say for the opening is going to be is that it's really going to be a i think we talked about this earlier in the month or last month it's really going to be now there's actually things in motion that have accelerated so people are going to leave the cities and they're going to the excerpt. We see that already. I, one of my clients has property in in uh, in Maine, and uh, recently bought bought a vacation home up there for themselves. And now you can't get any property. Okay. And then everybody and their brother has rented out Maine. And what they're saying, and they're all from New York and Boston area. They're people are basically saying, I got to protect my children. And then in the Hamptons, the schools are being overwhelmed now with emissions for the fall from people that are in New York. And you're seeing now Seattle is announcing some of the businesses out there are announcing they're moving to Phoenix. So what's going to happen is it's going to accelerate the trends we've been all watching for a long time. Cities to exurbs, the vitamin D line, which is the north East, but now includes the north, crazy northwest. People are going to be moving down into the Sun Belt. So I would say we're going to. It's going to be a tale of two Americas, Dave. It's going to be some of these cities aren't going to recover. I mean, you're going to see, you're going to see uh, whatever form of bankruptcy looks like for a city and a county. I lived in Orange County, California, in '94 when they defaulted and basically had to renegotiate. Everything. I think you're going to see some of these cities are going to be in the same situation. I think they all counted on getting money from the federal government to um, to do this, but now with the uh, with the overreaction to these these riots, the Republicans are going to be really reluctant to be able just to hand money over to the Democrats to keep their voters from from working and keep harassing 
the rest of the citizenship. So I just think that we're just going to muddle along here. And, you know, I think I said this before, it's going to be a year before we work our way through this. This virus now literally will have to drift into insignificance now to, to get this narrative put back in the bottle. I think there's no question, and they got their work cut out, and this is why they got to resort to mail fraud to try to compensate for the votes they're not going to get legitimately, and of course the George Soros voting machine. So I still think it's a crapshoot. Are you concerned about the president's inaction on several key issues he's spoken out on, like big tech censorship? Yeah, you know, I, here's my view on it, Dave. I, I was worried until a couple days ago, and I'll tell you why. All of a sudden, General Flynn, uh, the appeals court said he's he's done, he's out, he's he's good to go. And then I don't know if you've been following in California here over the last week and a half, we've had so many actors and producers being accused of rape from charges that were 10, 12, 15 years ago. Now, these DAs must have gotten a hold of of evidence from somewhere. And, you know, they've been unlocking, you know, Epstein's area. They've been unlocking Flynn, not Flynn, um, Wiener stuff. And and so I think that they're getting data from somewhere. And then Trump keeps referring to the swamp is going to be drained. We had a major producer, Steve Bing. OK, he's worth six hundred million dollars. He jumped off a 40-story building yesterday. Well, Another if you believe he jumped. Well, whatever. He's off the building. <laughs> yeah, he left the building on he the left outside. The building. Yeah, the reason, I, I tell you, I don't know anything about the case. But I will tell you, people I talked to who've looked at this, there were other people that did not need this man to testify. Yeah, he's a good friend of, friend of Clinton. So, you know, yes. Uh, yes, I understand is. that. Oh, my point is simply that that people are dying now and people are going to jail that I would have never expected to happen. And I think now, I think things are accelerating. So my my only hope is that uh, Trump's gonna change the narrative by just constantly having these people get indicted now and start getting arrested and things starting to happen in that regard. The tech censorship thing, you know, I think he's probably waiting until it really matters for people. Voters don't really start paying attention to the election until the fall. And I think Trump could basically shut down social media if he chooses to in in, in really fast order here. You know, he could just turn the FCC loose on him in a minute, you know, or the Justice Department loose. So he set this thing on the ground. So we'll just have to wait and see on that. But But I'm a little bit more hopeful when I started seeing what's happening on the ground here, especially today when I saw that the appeals court and then Senator McConnell just just came out today and said that they filled between, I think, up to 400 circuit court judge seats around the country that Trump has nominated. There's not a single circuit court judge vacancy in the country. So basically, the conservative Republicans own the lower courts now. And I think that's going to have generational impact you know, on on legislation going forward, and uh, and so I'm not as I'm not as concerned as I was about a week or so ago, seeing some of the things that I'm seeing. And the thing about Trump is he's extraordinarily patient, and I'm glad to see he didn't jump into Seattle or any of the other stuff because that um, that shows that you know what the American people now can just simply watch. And the, the Seattle mayor she blinked, the Portland mayor he blinked. You know, 
So they're um, they're they're shutting down Chaz or Chop or whatever the heck it is. And the Portland mayor said, "Hey, no no autonomous zone in my in my town." And Trump said, "I'm going to throw you in jail if you try to do it in D.C." So, <laughs> well. The president did move slowly on Seattle, though. There was consequences because of his slow movement. That would be one criticism I'd have. But I would say this. Um, well, I want you to respond to something. I don't know if you have knowledge of this or not. I had a former FEMA official tell me that when the Emergency Powers Act was in, was invoked on March 13th, that's effectively a military uh, de- declaration of martial law. And if it's medical, it hands authority over to the Surgeon General and to FEMA. And some of FEMA's guidelines for managing this crisis are classified. But effectively, I was told, it takes power away from the president. Are you aware of anything like this? Um, if it does, it does not take power away from the president because he's the one that declared the emergency. So, you know, they... they He's he's the ultimate executive authority of any emergency. Yeah, I think yeah. There's 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 no way that that some somebody that works for Trump would be able to be in charge of Trump. So basically, um, Trump would have to abdicate that authority by resigning. Would be the only way to not be in charge. Is that correct? Yeah, or he just simply fires the guy that's trying to usurp him and put somebody else in there that won't. Okay. That that yeah. well. Okay, and here's the thing, though, and maybe you you hit on it with big tech censorship. Trump issues an executive order that I was loudly cheering, and yet since that time, people like Candace Owens have been um, uh, deplatformed on Twitter, and Trump was fact checked, uh, I think, wrongly on Twitter. And I'm saying, okay, so when is this action going to happen? They're censoring in violation of the open forum laws. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you. Um, I'm just, uh, I think if he doesn't take action by after the um, the conventions, then I'm then I'm worried. Okay. You know, but until then, until then, nobody's really paying attention. Now, everything is today is pandemic this and pandemic that and riot this and riot that. You know, and so when they start really focusing on this stuff, then I think. Uh, uh, then if he doesn't pull him back, because, you know, Trump can simply get the Federal Election Commission, which has broad authority over media. Um, he, he can literally shut them down if they are violating election laws. So, so I, you know, it's, it's just a matter of just waiting and seeing. And Twitter just keeps stepping on it because they're constantly having their uh, their people engaging in, in um, activities that are considered interference well they're not alone facebook took down a trump campaign ad that had the image of antifa on it and i'm thinking oh my first of all that's fair use no matter how you cut it the president had the right to do it it's fair use and then secondly it's the president so like i said i'm sitting here saying mr president what are you waiting for they've given you many opportunities now to either shut down big tech or to get them to play ball the right way. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously he's not too worried about it, or I think he would have. Yeah, well, I'm worried about it. <laughs> I asked myself if I were president, what would I do knowing that they can just keep slamming him uh, on, on these social media sites and influencing people who otherwise aren't paying attention? 
And I, I, I would have taken a t- uh, action on this quite a while ago. I, d- I just, it's baffling to me why he's letting this assault on his presidency continue. See, my thing, my view on this is that I don't think there's any neutral observers anymore regarding Trump. I don't think anybody's sitting there saying, should I vote for Trump or shouldn't I vote for Trump at this point? I'm more worried about them stealing the election versus people not seeing something on Twitter and reacting to it. So I'm more worried about the the mail-in voting stuff. And, and you know, I think there's plenty of evidence with what they did with the, the, the tickets where you have Koreans and Chinese and Europeans in there screwing around with an election event. If that doesn't give, you know, the FEC ammunition to go to uh, judges around the country saying, you know, we're very concerned about the lack of controls in these states in terms of mail-in voting and, and, and voting fraud, then I don't know what, I don't know what else you could tell people. That's the only thing that I'm worried about. And, uh, you know, the thing is I don't worry about is you're looking at the, the polls, you know, if somebody asks me who I'm voting for, I'm not telling them I'm voting for Trump. You know, I don't want to have a target on my back. I don't know who's getting that information that they can target me. So I think you're going to, it's just going to be like any other, you know, third world country. I think people lie to pollsters because they, they know what, they know what the consequences are if you're voting for somebody that, that is not deemed, uh, you know, quote unquote, uh, um, you know, the right candidate, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I get it. I get exactly what you're saying. Oh, sorry about that. What's, uh, going what's going on with oil? There's been another shift in oil, and I wanted to take a look at that, too. Yeah, so they pushed oil up from minus $40 uh, a, a month, almost two months ago, to uh, $45 as of a couple of days ago. And it's simply, uh, you know... It, oil is the most manipulated market out there in terms of uh, just because there's a lot of state actors involved in the oil trade. And when they push oil higher, it tends to have a good guy effect on the stock market. And um, if you noticed here over the last couple of days, oil is starting to stumble. And, and right now it's down five and a half percent. And because now they're noticing that production, when you raise the price of oil, more producers will produce. Consumption hasn't changed. And so now you're seeing oil roll over. Today, the market's down two and a half percent. We're talking today on Wednesday. And, um, and, and we're also going into a situation where they're rebalancing portfolios. So, you know, we had a move that was probably too far, too fast and too optimistic. And we're going to get some sort of pullback, and that pullback may take us into the into the fall, in terms of um, of duration here. So, so the oil oil kind of oil kind of leads it. That's that's kind of like the uh, canary in the coal mine. If, if if the oil traders are losing money, then that's they they lose the collateral to take on bigger trades, and so and it's also deflationary. And also strengthens the dollar, and then you get this what's called a negative. It's called a negative feedback loop, uh, Dave. And that's what our expectation is. What's the effect on the president's uh, election outcome with this variable? I think it's minor, actually. I know he likes to talk about the stock market a lot, but you got to realize eighty-five percent of the citizenry does not really own stocks in any 
material way. So, um, you know, if oil prices go down, and that's the reason the stock market's struggling, people just see cheaper oil, right? Lower costs. And believe it or not, you know, the bankers and the wealthy want inflation. The rest of the Americans want deflation because they don't want things to cost more. So kind of like for most citizens, it's going to look like it's a, it's really, excuse me, it's really a non-event for the elites and the power people, they're losing real money. And so they're going to be more agitated by it, but it's going to decrease the inequality on a short-term basis. I mean, look, in March and April, where we, people around the country, some people had under dollar oil, you know, that helps you get the work and they make things cheaper for people to produce things. So uh, I think you're going to see oil come down again. And I think people are going to see it as a good thing. Well, hopefully they'll have jobs to drive to in the light of the craziness of the economy. Uh, well, how, how's the investment world going at, through all these variables? What, where's that at? Yeah, I mean, we're doing just fine. You know, it's, uh, you know, these things aren't mysteries. So you can see these things coming. And the system that we have is, is basically it's price based and it's looking at the momentum of the trends. So uh, we've been watching it. We shorted the uh, the markets over the last couple of days. We built a position in and um, and now we're ready for the short oil trade because we're buying what's the oil tankers when they can't sell the oil. Dave, they put them in oil tankers. and They raise their rates. <clears throat> we're in those trades. We make money. So yesterday, I think I threw you a chart. We, 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 we bought one for a day trade and people made eight to 10% in two hours. So you're starting to see that kind of activity in the market. And so uh, that's been going well. And, um, and then, you know, gold and silver are at the point of, of breaking out, Dave. So if they can get through the final manipulation of the uh, bullion banks, I think you're gonna see gold over the next 60 days, make a new high. And once that happens, the miners are going to just going to go rip. And so, you know, we've had really good, you know, um, sales success, not only in terms of profit, you know, percentages, but also the amount of money we're making on the trade. So uh, it's pretty good. The market's going to swing now in two directions, which really supports what we do even better than a one-way market. So uh, we're quite happy with it. That's really good. Well, I, I saw the one chart that showed the percentage of winning trades, and I'm saying it just can't be true. Ninety-one point six percent. Yeah, that's not from me. That's from that's from one of our subscribers. So uh, that's amazing. Yeah, and she and she's a fairly new trader, and uh, you know we just put people in position of success. You know we don't promise people Lamborghinis. You know we're 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 quite the workday kind of trading site here. You know we're you know, you, you try to win every day if you can. And if you make one or two or 3% on your winning trades, you know, over the course of the year, you're making between 50 and 200% on your money. So it's, it's really a day in, day out kind of effort. And, uh, you know, we're not like the Robin Hood crazies. You know, we, we actually have a, a process and a plan and we help people understand why they're buying what they're buying and they're not just momentum, Momo kind of trades that in 30 days, a lot of those kids are gonna be gone. So we just have a really good system. It's called a ribbon system. And you know we have trading rooms and chat rooms and we help people understand what they're trading. We provide them, these, we provide them this system on, a, on, a, on their computer 
that they can use. And then we have a training, basically a training regimen that they go through, which is part of the service to teach them how to set their charts up and then teach them how to trade this so that they can become an independent and successful trader over time. How long does it take to teach the average person those skills? Oh, you know, uh, that person that pointed that out, that was 45 days for her. So, uh, so it doesn't take too long. If you're at it every day, I would say less than 60 days, you're going to understand. You know, people are bewildered a lot for a couple weeks, you know, just trying to learn the nomenclature. I say, <coughs> excuse me, just get in the chat room, ask a lot of questions, follow the trades that are offered. And then once you get up to speed, you're going to find trades that you like, and then you're going to be you're going to be good to go. So it doesn't take long at all. It's trading is not hard. It's 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 um, it's just really learning the the nomenclature. And once you learn the lingo, and you understand how this works, I mean literally, Dave, it's buy low, sell high, with with uh, indicators that tell you when other people are buying, and it's it's no more difficult than that. It sounds almost too easy. 45 days from beginning to having a 91.6% win rate, that's incredible. Now, you have a different approach to the market though. I know that people should not jump in and just play the market now because of the volatility of the economy. So how does your approach differ from that of say a traditional broker? Yeah, so a lot of those guys are, they, they do what's called FOMO training, which is it's called fear of missing out. You know, you, you see something that's moving, the next day you jump on it, and it may go up again, but it's likely it's gonna come back down. We don't trade that way. What we do is we see where the entry point's gonna be, and because of the, the algorithms that we use, and if we get to those buy areas and it's confirmed by what's called price action, we buy. And uh, yesterday we just did a trade with uh, of the cannabis stock Aurora, and uh, you know we bought it on on Monday at thirteen sixty seven. It got up to fifteen dollars. We hopped off the trade. You know we did it with options. People made fifty five zero percent on their money overnight, and we got off the trade. And today, guess what? Aurora is back down to thirteen seventy. So all those Momo guys that jumped in when they saw it going up have lost money. So that's the difference between what we do and what, what other people either do on their own or do following a broker. And most brokers don't really help you. You know, they're really, they're, you know, they're there just to, uh, you know, collect or sell information on you, you know, and financial advisors are passive. So all they're doing is following a formula that keeps them from getting fired or sued. And then a lot of the people that are online doing this stuff, uh, not, I'm not talking about services in general, but I'm just talking about people talking is that they're talking about the things that have already moved. And we, we try to get people into things that, you know, like the great Gretzky said, you know, we're looking where the hockey puck's going. Right now, the tankers have been grind, grinding down. We're buying because we're going to get a double on these trades while everybody's sitting there looking at them and saying, well, we never saw it coming. Well, we see it coming. And so uh, when oil starts going down, when oil is produced too much, the tankers are a big trade. So, so those, sorry, the market's closing. So that's what we see. And so that's how we trade it, Dave. And it's, uh, it's, it's very methodical. I'm, look, I work 14 hours a day. So I'm not, you know, I'm not you know, sitting around screwing around. You know, we're looking constantly for opportunities. 
Yeah, this sounds really good because you're, you're changing the whole approach. Are you finding that you're getting copycats because you're doing so well? Uh, if people are copycatting us, they can't copycat our algorithm. So, uh, um, so I'm not too worried about that. It's it's it this this took us this took us four years to develop and and to codify into uh, into an indicator on on our software, and uh, and we're constantly we're constantly tweaking it to make it simpler and simpler for people to use. So when people see something simple of buy and sell, there's a lot of math that went behind that buy and sell. And so, so we're not too worried about it. And the other really key thing is that, you know, anybody can throw indicators out there. Well, our value is, is that we're, we're helping people. So we're teaching them, you know, and, and it's not got classroom teaching. I mean, people sitting like you and I are talking. I have a room where people can actually talk back and forth with me. You know, I have another chat room where people can just type me questions all day. So I have one PC and I'm typing and I have another PC that I'm talking at the same time while I'm watching the market and trading along with other people. So we really, really help and, and engage people and, and get, them, get them basically to make less mistakes, unlearn bad behaviors, and to, uh, and to understand how this system works. And once they understand how it works, the light bulbs go off and people go, oh my gosh, this really isn't that hard. And then you just, uh, you know, just keep trading. Yeah, I, I can't believe someone hasn't tried to figure out the secret to your algorithms, though, because you've been successful for so long with this. Yeah, I, I just think I think the big problem, Dave, people have people like to swing for home runs. OK, so they get bored. I'm not talking about subscribers. Subscribers love us is that people get bored because they don't see all oh, Bob didn't get a 10 percent move that day. I don't want those. So so people are people are looking for the shiny nickel. And, and we're here hitting base hits every day and making people money. Yeah, it sounds really good. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, uh, can, can the public get involved with you? How do they, how, how could they do so? Yeah, so if they go to tradelikeagenius.com and uh, if, they, if they go and take advantage of this by Saturday night, they can go and uh, uh, we put six bundles together, depending if they're beginning or if they're an advanced trader. And they like to trade stock markets. We also trade cryptocurrency markets, and we do extremely well there. And also, we have a room. We call it the VIP room, but that's where we're doing more like futures trading and, and some options trading in there. And so you can take advantage of pre-discounted 65% off. There are the bundles. And if they go ahead and just uh, want to buy something individually, they can go and just still use the Father's Day uh, coupon and then they can get uh, 45% off uh, anything in the store that's not bundled. And I think you're gonna find what we charge for the service, it pales in comparison to the value you, you get out of it. You know, we're often told we don't, we don't charge enough for our services, but that's not my game. I want it to be affordable for people. And uh, I make money in this game if, if you guys make money and you stay with me a long time. So we make sure it's affordable, good return on your investment, and if you just go to tradelikeagenius.com, you can talk with us, you can chat, you can email, and we'll be help you to, we'll help you get started. If you really don't know what you're doing, we have what's called a personal coaching and a quick start package where we actually have somebody that will spend time with you individually and push you and get you up to speed. 
That sounds really terrific. So again, tradelikeagenius.com, and you've got a Father's Day special for the non-bundled items at 45% off, and that offer expires this Saturday evening. Yeah, I think it's the 27th. Yeah, that's Saturday night. Okay. Wow. What a deal. What a deal. This is really terrific. I'm sure you're going to get lots of calls from our audience, but also it's important. I really appreciate you coming on here and giving us your expertise on what's going on with the economy and how it's affecting the election. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting uh, four and a half months here, five months. So, uh, um, you know, there's always an opportunity and there's always a bull market. So, you know, fear not. Okay, well, we've been talking with Bob Kudla of Trade Genius Academy, and we encourage you to take a long look at what he's offering. It's a great deal, but also, too, ladies and gentlemen, heed his warnings on what he said about what's going on with the economy and how it's going to affect people. Bob, thanks so much for coming on. Always a pleasure. And everybody else, stay tuned. We'll be back. Great. Thanks, Dave.